Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here, and I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where we talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by Gear Up Sports. One of the leader in youth apparel sports, but they also support company attire with a distributed workforce and gear to stay connected. Go to gearupwithus.com. As you can see, if you're looking on YouTube, um, I'm wearing some Gear Up With Us gear that we use for, for uh, the Measure Success podcast and also for our company and all of our guests on the Measure Success podcast get some swag as well. And Tim will, as being an audience member, will get that um, here in a moment. And, and speaking of our guest, our guest is Tim Shore. He is one of the top hypnotists, author of One Belief Away, and corporate coach who's helped companies earn millions of dollars through his practices. He's been on ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox News, and the TEDx stage. He's also an author of six books. Tim, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Carl, it's an honor to be here. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Absolutely. So, you are my first hypnotist, and I appreciated you helped me to enunciate that properly prior to coming on board. Explain to our audience, how do you use that, right, in a business sense? You know, often we will see this and we think of just in the, from a psychological basis, how mm-hmm. are you applying this to as a business coach in helping CEOs and businesses be more effective? Yes. So as they say, everything happens in the mind, right? And hypnosis is the art and science of working with your unconscious mind, which is the part of us that controls 80% of uh, what we do, right? Our unconscious mind is like the hard drive of our computer. It stores our beliefs. It stores our attitudes, our life experiences, our habits, and how we filter life in general. And so it would make sense if you want to improve some aspect of your life, you would take a look at your beliefs. You would take a look at your habits and the story that you're telling yourself in your mind, because through that filter, you know, everything else uh, falls into place. And so when people talk about mindset or they talk about beliefs or they talk about habits, you know, what you're talking about is is the realm of what a, a hypnotist, a clinical hypnotist or a hypnotherapist would work with and specialize in. And so um, I was never planning on, on becoming a hypnotist. It just kind of happened that way. I had an experience while I was going through school for psychology um, where a hypnotist actually came to our school, asked for a volunteer. I volunteered. I thought I was going to cluck like a chicken, but that's not what happened. What happened was the anxiety that I always walked around with that I never wanted anybody to know I had uh, kind of disappeared for a little while. And I'm like, what is happening here? And I started to learn that, you know, we have this power inside of us and we can tap into this power and hypnosis is a fast, effective way of doing it. And so when I'm working with companies, I I will use it not to put everybody in a trance or anything, but really to identify our blind spots, our self-limiting beliefs, the unconscious biases and assumptions that we all have, and then identify them, find them, and upgrade them rapidly, which produces behavioral change, sustainable behavioral change faster than any other method that I have found. So if you could give like a specific example, right, where one of the CEOs you're working with had some issue that was holding them back, talk about that more being more specific and, and how did you get them to change it, right? So it was no longer a stumbling block to them. 
Yes. So I was working with a guy who is a very successful CEO, had went from nothing to, um, you know, multi-million dollar uh, organization. I'm trying to keep this confidential. <laughs> and, um, uh, and he had a belief that he was the money guy, right? That he was the power guy that makes things happen. And he was always moving fast and he was charging forward and he didn't mind you know, the people that got knocked to the side because he was always charging forward. And uh, the culture, even though they had these fancy awards in this glass case talking about how amazing their culture was, they had a lot of turnover and people were not happy. And one of the reasons why is because he never made people feel important. He was always too busy. And he's like, you want to talk to me? You better put on your sneakers and, and keep up with me because I'm going here and I'm moving here because I'm the money guy. And uh, I started and he would not change that because he believed that that's what made him successful. And so many people in positions like that feel like that mojo is what got them there. And unfortunately, it would not take him to the next level. That's why I was there, because things were starting to fall apart. And it was because people didn't feel cared for, you know, and he was like, well, I don't have time for that. They're not children. You know, they're adults. They needed, they're hired to do a job and I need to focus on my job. And that disconnect kept sabotaging him. So when we started to take a look at his beliefs and why he felt that way, it was because when he was a little kid, his, his dad never gave him any validation. He was always hard on him, never let him win anything, was always, you know, and so this guy always felt like he was chasing approval at an unconscious level, that he was always had to be the best because otherwise you're nothing. He was still chasing his dad's approval and he didn't know it. And, uh, and so that type of behavior was actually causing his company to fall apart instead of expand and grow. And, uh, and so what we did was we started to upgrade those beliefs, right? And, um, and instead of chasing approval and validation, we started giving it to himself, you know? And, and so it's funny when I talk about corporate America and uh, I'm talking about love, self-love, self-acceptance, a feeling of peace, a sense of approval of who you are. You know, and that's not something that you would think about talking to, you know, these CEOs and these high powered executives, but that's exactly what people need in a lot of situations. And so when we did that, he started slowing down, he started making people feel appreciated, and it totally changed the culture of the organization. And they started making more money than they did before, uh, before he had to be the money guy. Now he was the people guy, right? He shifted it. I'm the people guy now. And when he started caring for his people, they started caring about their job more. And that's what allowed everything to fall into place. I'm curious, how long did that process take, right? Because that seems like a pretty deep-seated, rooted, right? Back to, I said, his upbringing. And, and this is how he was. And that's how he had been successful up to that date, right? But yeah. it had yet. How long is that process? Is that? It was weeks, four hours. Months, years? Four hours. Four hours. Four hours. And we started getting the changes in the very first hour because I created, you know, my one belief away premise in the books and everything that I built around this one belief away method is that you're one belief away from a huge breakthrough in your life, right? You're one belief away. And so he had a belief that he was the money guy and he couldn't let that go. He couldn't show weakness because then he would not get the approval, right? That he was chasing in his head, not out there, but in his own head. And when we shifted that from chasing approval to giving it to yourself, so because, you, you know, when you chase someone, they run. But when you give it to yourself and you don't need it, that's when you get it. So instead of chasing, we attract it. We draw it to us. We draw success, validation, respect, approval, 
whatever it is that we want, not by chasing it from others, but by giving it to ourselves. And so I showed him how to do that and upgrade that core limiting belief in our very first session. And then in the second session, we released a lot of the anger, the resentment, the toxic emotions that go around with that. And then in the third and fourth session, which is just an hour a piece, really 50 minutes a piece, um, I took him through other experiences that um, strengthened his, his uh, self-esteem and his confidence in a whole new way, allowed him to take that pressure off and instead of surviving, thriving, because it doesn't matter how wealthy you are. Most of my clients are really wealthy. Uh, it doesn't matter how big your house is or how many cars you have or how many houses you have. If you're still being driven by that pressure to succeed and you can never let your guard down, it is so stressful, right? That it doesn't allow you to enjoy life in the way that you could because your mind is always there. Your, your guards are always up. And so it takes about four hours to really transform someone and, and in a sustainable way, because when you upgrade beliefs, they're upgraded. You still have to take control of your thoughts every day, but when you upgrade beliefs, they're upgraded. Mm, wow. I did not expect you to say that and how quickly that is. It's probably not typically what somebody would be thinking on a regular basis, right? Of going to, for lack of a better term, typical counseling sessions or something like that, that they might be going through. But you're saying just once again, that belief set you could have um, transformative about from four active hours and, but you said something interesting there. They still have to do that kind of daily something, right? So there, there is still this daily reminder of this is who I am now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah. how does that go about, you know, how do, how do people do self-action so they can have it be a consistent habit? Yes. Well, that makes me want to flip it back to you because you're the expert at that, right? And, and helping people to take the wheel. But I'll give you my spin on it, right? And so, because I'm really good at the unconscious stuff and that's my sweet spot. What you do to grab a hold of the wheel of your mind, though, is a couple of things. First, you start to change the quality of the questions you ask yourself, right? The quality of your life is being determined by the quality of the questions you ask. Uh, most people are walking around saying, why is this not working? And, you know, where could we get hurt? And whose fault is it? You know, and, and what could go wrong in this situation? But people who are very successful, who are also happy, right? Because I don't know how you can say you're successful if you're not happy, mm. right? There's wealthy people and there's rich people. Rich people have a lot of money, but they're not happy. Wealthy people have both, right? Mm. And so that's really what I focus on is how do you feel happy regardless of, you know, what your bank account, what it says in your bank account, because we get so attached to how much money we have, right? And how that's attached to our self-esteem, right? Your, your net worth is connected to your self-worth. And we really have to break that idea. So asking power questions. So you're focusing on, you know, what I do want, um, how I can make that happen, who I can lean on for support, what resources do I need? How can I take care of myself? And then, of course, really just uh, having resources to pour into you. As the CEO, you're the one who is in charge of taking care of everybody. And rarely do CEOs ever get it back because they're already the one in charge. So they already are the lucky one. They're the one, you know, that gets all the perks and everything. They don't see the stress, the pressure, the sleepless nights, the overwhelming feeling that it's all on your shoulders and the buck stops here. You know, I, I was just talking to a CEO before we jumped on this interview who said those exact words, you know, the, um, the pressure's always on me, right? And I can't fail or I'll be gone, right? And so 
you know, changing that around and, and pouring into yourself. And so, you know, listening to this podcast, it's a great show. Um, listening to music, watching inspiring videos, hanging around people who understand where you're coming from, having coaches. You know, you and I both have coaches. We we believe in it. We got to have it. And so do our clients. So you got to make sure that you're pouring into yourself every day. I use uh, hypnosis audio programs. I have a lot of leaders listening to my hypnosis programs while they're sleeping at night because there's no faster way than, you know, recharging your brain's batteries uh, while you're sleeping. It's pretty awesome. So those are some ways that we do it. Love all of that. And, and I, once again, I appreciate that. Once again, there's actionable things that people could be doing on a regular basis, but I, I also appreciate what you said something beforehand. It's a big part of why this show is called the measure podcast. Because you hit on something that's really important there is that so much times people are, are striving to be rich. Mm. But my guests have regularly said, no, it's about being wealthy, in which they typically define as having freedom. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that through freedom, we have happiness. Yes. Yes. You know, and, and it, it was a, it's really interesting kind of connecting those different pieces because very few people, though I'm not saying there hasn't been any, but most of the guests are like, I haven't had to worry about bills in X amount of years. You know what I mean? And like, meaning like, right. yeah, they might have temporary periods in a business, right? Yeah. But on a home life perspective, they're yeah. covered, right? Yeah. You know, if they, if they do reasonable expenditures, they're covered, they're going to be fine. And, but they'll still have this tremendous amount of stress in feeling that there's still more while there's nothing more there under that path. I mean, there's always an, there's always a higher bank account. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I'm not saying just to clarify anybody listening to the audience, I had, don't have any problem with people making as much money as they can, but joy does not come from that. Typically joy comes from the part right where the wealth is right. Where there's happiness, peace, and joy with those you're connected with and, and you have freedom, right. You can actually sleep at night. Those are the areas I think, which, which makes a substantial difference. And that's why I always love asking that question you know, how you measure success in business, how you measure success in personal life. Let me just take that a little further because I love everything you just said, Carl. So freedom, what most people think of is time freedom, yes. right? Freedom to actually slow down, enjoy your family, engage in activities that aren't work. You know, like we were talking a little bit about basketball, you know, and stuff like that. So to actually engage in activities or I like writing books, right? And so, um, but don't have a lot of time to do it. So everybody wants more time, more, more money, and it's always one or the other, it seems. But I'm talking about emotional freedom, right? And you, I, th- I believe you are as well. So emotional freedom is where we feel safe and secure, and we're chasing the pleasure of seeing how far we can grow, not just as a business, but as a human being. I think business is an opportunity. It's, it's the movie that we can go through to become the person that we want to be in our lives. And it gives us the, you know, the scenes to be able to do that. Right. And so I think that that is where people are struggling because most people don't think of it as personal growth and emotional, you know, freedom. They're thinking about it's either time or I have more free time, I'm money or I have more free time, but no, it's, can I, shift from that scarcity mindset of feeling like it's never enough? Can I move into abundance mindset where it's not really about me and my achievements anymore? It's about how I help other people achieve, you know, who cares who gets the credit? You know, I'd rather give the credit away than have people think that I'm famous and wonderful and fabulous. Right. And so your value shift. And I think that that's where the real joy comes from the joy of giving, not just the joy of conquering, 
right? Because you'll see people who have that conquer mentality and it's just another fight every single day. They don't know how to do anything else except fight and get more territory, but they leave, you know, a trail behind of people who are hurt and betrayed and unhappy or disconnected or feel resentful towards them. And, you know, and, and that's not a legacy that anybody wants to leave behind, you know? So who cares if you're the richest jerk in the world, <laughs> you know, because that's what people will, will, you know, think of you as. So I think that emotional freedom is something that is very misunderstood and something that is the missing link that everybody feels, you know, when they say, is there, isn't there anything more than this? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And I'm sure you've run into this of people who quote unquote, they've made it. They've got what they want in their bank account. They have their free time and they actually start going crazy. Yeah. Then they're not happy. And they're like, what the heck? I sacrificed so much for this. This is crap. <laughs> right. Right. And, and there's more. And once again, that's why there is more. And what you just were describing is a part of that, which is the real peace and joy is yeah. more. Right. And meaning it's meaning having a clear understanding of how you can make a difference in the world. And, and I love it how you were mentioning about that. It, it is more about being a servant based leader, you know, through it. I, I think what's interesting, the book I have, you know, the classic, you know, by Jim Collins is good to great. Mm-hmm. Every single leader that made the list had a level five leader, which is a servant based leader. Mm-hmm. That's not a coincidence. No. And, and so that's what's really fascinating. And what I also love about it is Jim Collins wanted to prevent it being about leadership. He was doing everything he could in the book is saying, we don't want this to be about leadership, you know, because everyone was, ex- but there was this characteristic of leadership that was the consistent element of every single leader that they had. And I, anyways, I find that fascinating. And it was interesting that you talked about that once again, that joy and happiness is providing and not just being about yourself, but how you can make a difference in others. Yeah. Well said, well said the secret to living is giving. <laughs> so one of the things that you do, which isn't about business side, but I, I just am fascinated because of the people who sacrifice for our country's freedom is you do a lot of work with warriors and, and you know, wounded warriors. I'd love you to share a little bit about that because I think I'm pretty, pretty sure that's a bit of expertise of what you do and helping out with, with others who run into these challenges. Can you share a little bit about that and, and how you've been able to make a positive impact there? Yes. So I love helping veterans uh, to triumph over post-traumatic stress, right? From active combat. And uh, it's, I'm, I'm not sure why I, you know, when I was a kid growing up, all the dads around me were Vietnam vets. And I watch what they went through and the heavy drinking and the nightmares and the, the problems that they went through and from going through war. Right. And then, uh, you know, when I became uh, 18, 19, and I saw my friends go off and join, you know, the Navy and the Army and, and Marines and stuff like that. And then, you know, some of them aren't with me now. And a few of them aren't with me because of um, not because they died in combat, but because they came home and accidentally took themselves out right? 22 veterans die intentionally or unintentionally uh, through suicide every day. And, um, you know, if you ask them, they say the VA, all they want to do is give you pills and then more pills and then more pills. And that is not helping. And so, you know, someone who is a foremost expert in helping people overcome anxiety and post-traumatic stress, I made it my mission to end needless emotional suffering because I had horrible uh, anxiety growing up. I think most of us have experienced some form of what I call big T and little T traumas, right? And it's not the traumatic experiences we go through, Carl. It's the beliefs that form in our mind about what we think it means. We don't form those beliefs consciously and our mind doesn't ask our opinion of it. 
And the most common beliefs are I'm not good enough. I'm not safe. I'll be rejected. I'll be abandoned. I won't be loved. So I got to develop all of these different characteristics or defense mechanisms to prove that I'm worthy. Right. And one of them is super achiever. Mm. That's when you find a lot of CEOs who become, especially people that, you know, from the ground up, they built organizations and companies. And it's, you know, we want to believe it's because they're really, you know, just wanting to see how far they can take it. And some people have that mentality, but most it's not coming from a towards pleasure approach. It's coming from an away from pain strategy. Because of that, that anxiety is always there, no matter what they accomplish or achieve. So I've got a you know, particular set of skills that helps these veterans. I've helped hundreds of them. And so I've just opened up my uh, hypnosis school and I'm, I'm building an army of healers. And I'm going to train people to do what I do, my uh, one belief away hypnosis method. I'm going to teach some people who want to be a part of this. I have some veterans who want to help their brothers and sisters, but they don't have the tools. I'm going to give them the tools and we're going to build this army of healers from the ground up. And we're going to make a huge difference generationally, you know, in the lives of veterans and their spouses. So I'm very excited about that. So thanks for bringing it up. And, and be more specific, how do, what is that specific cool school called again? And how could people learn more about that? Well, thank you. Yeah. If you go to uh, www.oba, one belief away, obahypnosis.com, just go to obahypnosis.com and uh, there's all the resources are there. Our first class uh, starts April 29th, 2022. I'm not sure when this will go out, but um, we'll probably do another one in the fall as well. Uh, but it's a life-changing experience. It takes six months to go through the certification. By the end of it, you'll be one of the most powerful transformers in the world. I mean, I, my, my students are, have like superpowers. You know, we're like the special forces of personal growth. <laughs> so I'm curious. There was a, a book I read many years ago, and I was given to I used to have this one-year experience with a mental health professional company where they would, they would support the employee assistance programs. Yeah across the nation. They were the 24 hour call center people that they would act on behalf of them. And I was given this book and it said, do this for good and not for evil. So do you have to deal with a little bit of that when when you're you're talking about this path of like, how do you make sure when using, because these are some powerful skills that can be done in a very positive way. How do you make sure that the ethics behind it stays well and good. Like you mentioned, you're afraid when you're up in high school, you're going to be doing something of a chicken or something like that. How do you make sure that that people have the right focus and they're going to actually resolve the right things? Well, I interview uh, everybody before they would ever be able to get into my school. And so I'm doing background checks and, and uh, making sure that people are uh, on the up and up. And of course, everything I do is full of ethics and comes from a place of love. So I kind of have that energy anyway. I mean, I'd be able to know if somebody I've been doing this for so long, I can read people very clearly. So I would know that, but I do these interviews to make sure. And, and these people are attorneys and veterans and, you know, school teachers and, and therapists and coaches uh, who are looking to take their skill set to the next level uh, or people that, you know, just want to have these skills. Maybe they're not going to do it professionally, but they want to use this for their friends or family with their employees, because it's incredible, the communication skills and the self-awareness that come from going through an experience like this. So when I'm working with people, it's really not an issue of we're going to take it and do evil. You know, I think people are afraid because of the Hollywood movies still make it look like hypnotists are, you know, can control people and put them into these scary trances and make them do whatever. And, and so that's the fear around it. But 
that's not really, um, I don't think people are really as afraid of that as they used to be. And in May, I'll, it'll be my 27th year of being, having it run in hypnosis practices. 27 years of being in uh, my, uh, CEO of my own organization. I have found that people used to call up and say, does this really work? Nobody does that anymore. People now just call up and say, when can I set an appointment? Right. And a few say, how much does it cost? <laughs> right. But, um, but yeah, so it's changed because so many celebrities go to hypnotists now um, because they're rich and famous and they can go to the best and they go to hypnotists. Wow. And, but what you're describing though, I think is so, so, so first of all, I love it how you shared about how there is an actual practice of you trying to maintain the ethics of it. So that's number one, two yourself, you come from the right place, but three, obviously if you're working to help, support veterans and helping them to overcome. I, I just, I think that that calling is transformative. I thank you for doing what you're doing there. And because of the, once again, the sacrifice that people are making for us on a day, you know, a daily basis, regular basis, you know, we always have teams in the military that are out doing stuff. You know, it might not feel like it, but they're always doing things on our behalf to help maintain our freedoms. And, and so um, helping them out. I appreciate that. Um, I have a son who's in the Naval Academy right now. And, oh, you know, it's, it's, it means much more to me now than it used to even because now I'm, I'm part of the military family, so to speak, you know, uh, because I have a, a child in there. And so um, anyways, thank you for, for doing that. You're, you took mentioned earlier, you're working on a new book. I think you call it, you're calling it timeless wisdom. Yeah. Share a little bit about that because I'm really intrigued by that because Brian Tracy in particular is just one of those people that I've never personally met, but I have read a, many of his books and his audio books, and they've really made a difference for me uh, to help grow myself and grow my businesses over the years. Talk about that book a little bit more and the difference you're hoping to make with that. Yeah, thank you. Yes, Brian uh, was a real inspiration for me as well. And, you know, when the pandemic hit, when it first hit, um, I had all these speaking engagements and they all disappeared. So all of a sudden, you know, like 70% of my business just disappeared. And I'm like, okay. And then my big client that I was working with at the time was a hospital. <laughs> so, so that stopped too. So I pretty much like just all of a sudden had 80% of my business gone. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And so, of course, what we always do is we, we look at where's the opportunity in this situation. I threw a legend summit where I decided what would happen if we had like Dale Carnegie and Earl Nightingale hanging out together and we could sit in and be like a fly on the wall and have watched that amazing conversation. That would be awesome. Right. And so I thought, well, who are the living legends and how do I get them? And so I threw a long story, which we don't have time for here. I ended up making that happen. And I had Bob Proctor and Dennis Waitley have a conversation live in front of all of us. I had Brian Tracy and Les Brown have a conversation in front of us and, you know, and, and just, the list went on of all these. I mean, you think of somebody like Ken Blanchard, right? Seth Godin, people who are just extraordinary at, at what they do and their household names. And, and I was able to bring them all together. And, and, uh, and so then I had all this content, right? From all these amazing interviews, because I interviewed them personally. And then I had them, you know, with these other legends. And so I have all this content and I figured I'm going to take those conversations. I'm going to pull out the best secrets from these legends who've devoted the last 50 years of their life to this and then uh, put it in a book called Timeless Wisdom. And that's what I'm doing. I've got 10 chapters done. I've got two to go. And then uh, I'm going to release it probably over the summer. I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> it's a really good book. 
And I can say that because it's not about me. <laughs> you know, it's about these, these uh, men and women who have devoted their whole life to personal growth, who have become very successful applying the wisdom that they've learned. And we're able to share it in, in with stories and with content that is a little different than what most people are used to hearing. Right. I didn't put out the same stuff that you could find in any book. I mean, these are real personal stories that, you know, people like Brian Tracy was telling me about his very first mentor or about how he almost died crossing the Sahara Desert with a buddy of his. You know, I never heard these stories before. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, and so, I mean, it was just riveting. So it's, it's, it'll be out this, uh, this summer. It's going to be awesome. Stay tuned. I really look forward to that. I want to be on the waiting list for that book when it comes out because that, that's uh, super exciting. Uh, Zig Ziglar was also, of course, he's passed. He was one of those uh, legends for me that really made a difference for me. I, I, happened, I had the privilege of talking with his son, Tom, before, but it's just amazing. Once again, these people and the impact that they've made on so many people throughout the years uh, yeah. that they never met. They never got a chance to know, but uh, through their writings and through their speaking that people got to hear. And I love this new book because that being able to put it all together at least a piece of it together, you know, for people to see, I think is going to be really powerful. So let's talk about this is called the measure success podcast. How do you measure success from yourself and your business? You know, how do you know you feel you're being successful? So that's an, just such a good question. Something that we should be asking ourselves all the time. So the immediate answer that came to mind is a, a two-parter. First, how are my clients feeling about me? Right. That's one way I measure success. Am I getting the online reviews? Am I getting the referrals? Am I getting the endorsements? Have I created raving fans? Uh, so that's one way I measure success, not just the standard KPIs that people might look at. I'm really wanting to know, you know, are, do my clients love what I've created for them and, and excited about what's coming next? Right. And so that's the first part of it. The second part of it is, am I having fun? You know, am I enjoying myself running this business? Am I enjoying myself being a creator and a leader? Or am I stressed out every day? You know, I always kid and say I had a lot more hair when I started this job, <laughs> right? And so if I'm stressed and pressured and frustrated and still losing sleep at night, then I'm not doing it right, you know, and I got to do something in my head because remember, you know, I lost 80% of my business. So what did I do? I created a bucket list moment and met, you know, people that I had Tom Ziegler in the Legend Summit, right? And so I, I created magic out of something that was devastating, and had a blast with it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's how I measure success. Wow. Wow. That, that, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And so now let, let's talk about on, on the personal side of it, because you mentioned a little bit, that's your personal is having fun. That's how you're measuring a bit. I think also on a, on a professional, a personal side, you do have a lot going on. I mean, you know, I don't know too many big people who have written as many books as you have and have been on all these different shows and been on TEDx and, and truly making a difference in the world. So share with me, how do you keep up yourself, you know, to, so you can keep yourself top of game? What type of habits have you learned have worked for you on a regular basis? Yeah, great, great question. So almost every single morning, because sometimes with my family, I've got a 14-year-old and an 18-year-old and a wife I've been married to for 27 years as well. So a, a busy life. And so most every morning I get up with my, uh, my kids, you know, I'll make them some breakfast, drive my 14 year old to school. So we have a little bit of time to hang out because he hates the bus and, <laughs> and we get extra time together. And then I come home and I get on that treadmill or on a bicycle 
or on a Pilates machine for about 30 to 45 minutes. And while I'm doing that, I'm listening to a podcast, I'm listening to an audio book, or I just get real quiet and I kind of let God talk to me. Instead of me being so busy in my mind all the time, that's when I get quiet and let God, the universe, talk to me and and give me ideas because you can't hear if you're always chattering in that head of yours. And then I have my phone and I jot down, you know, the insights. Siri, remind me this, you know, battling your demons, you know, and that becomes a newsletter. And so I am taking care of my body physically because I'm going to be 52 here soon. And I find that if I'm not moving, I'm hurting. So I physically take care of myself. And at the same time, I'm emotionally pouring into me. Audiobooks, hypnosis programs, inspiring movies. I severely limit the amount of news and negativity around me. I don't have people around me that are energy vampires and complainers. You know, and if I do have some people that get caught up in that, I change my story of how they're showing up so that I don't feel like I'm being drained around them. I have a different interpretation of why they're behaving the way they do that is empowering instead of feeling like I'm a bunch of around a bunch of negative whiners. That's me interpreting the situation that in a limiting way. And so pouring into myself physically, mentally, emotionally is uh, how I'm able to accomplish all the stuff that I do. <laughs> that, that is a great, great answer. Thank you for sharing those habits. I think they sound very effective for you. And once again, you, you, the key is that consistency. I loved it how you said, you know, at 52, I have to work out to make sure I'm not staying in pain. And I agree with that. I'm, I'm at 48 right now. And, and it's the same thing, you know, if I'm not doing exercises, like, why is my back hurting? It's like, oh, I haven't done my exercising. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, turns out you don't need a new mattress. You need to do some push-ups. <laughs> yeah, that is, by the way, is what solved my back problem was push-ups. Yeah. Uh, we could probably talk more about that later, but in more detail, but absolutely <laughs> totally changed it. Uh, and by the way, 25 years of back pain, it was finally solved by doing the going through a part. I did a hundred thousand push-ups in a year. Now you don't have to do that much, but it was, I started with doing like 10. That's right. You know, in one day and then went to 11, 12 and it was right. a separate side story, but through that process, literally years and years of back pain going to the chiropractor went away. But I love it that you said that, that particular part. Favorite book. What is a favorite book that you recommend for our audience? One of my all-time favorite books is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. You know, I, had, I have a giant library of books and, and uh, you know, I believe that leaders are readers or leaders are listeners, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. of audiobooks. And so... Um, when my son was 15, I gave him that book and he said it was one of the best books he ever read because gave, it gave him skills for high school. So I love that book. The latest book that I just read was called Essentialism. McGowan is his name. I forget his first name. Um, Greg McGowan, maybe. Um, yep. But the it. book called it. Essentialism. Yeah, yep. just read the first four chapters and you're good because it, uh, it basically just says focus on one thing. <laughs> you know, just do one thing because you're going to have 50 million, you know, things. Try to delegate as much as you possibly can and focus on, you know, what you're brilliant at, which if you're a CEO, you're the visionary. You know, you shouldn't be doing a lot of the grunt work. You should be leading and creating the vision and figuring out where you're heading, you know, and then you just build amazing teams and help pour into them. That's the second part of being a leader is you pour into uh, your people and make them feel like they can do anything and then they will for you. Yep. Yep. Uh, Great recommendations, both of those. Uh, And so I appreciate you sharing both of those. Where can people find you and and like website? Where's the best way to connect with you? 
If you go to timsure.com, uh, there you'll learn all about the coaching stuff. If you are into the hypnosis, go to Indy. I'm in Indianapolis, so I-N-D-Y, indyhypnosis.com. And, uh, and then for everybody who subscribed to your podcast, uh, the Measuring Success Podcast, then um, uh, I've got a free program I'll give you. Well, it's not free, but I'll give it to you free. It's called The Power of Your Unconscious Mind. And if you go to powermindsetprogram.com, you can get yourself a copy. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that from our audience. That's, that's really special of you, Tim, to do that. So thank you. This has been fantastic, Tim. Uh, it has been a real treat to have you on the Measure podcast, all of your lessons, your experiences, and, and how you're making a difference in the world. Thank you so much. It's been a true pleasure. Oh, the pleasure is mine. I loved all your questions. Keep up the great work because I know you're making a big difference as well. Very proud of you and your son, uh, you know, for joining the Naval Academy. That's a big deal. And, and uh, so congratulations on that. And thank you for having me on your show. Thank you so much. And to all of our guests, thank you for listening and, and wishing you the very best at measuring success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.